Hey everyone, welcome back to another lesson. This lesson is on the signs and symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. But first, let's talk about what IBS is. IBS is a functional gastrointestinal disorder involving chronic and intermittent abdominal pain and bowel habit changes. We're going to talk about this in more detail in the next upcoming slides. The symptoms of IBS are related to and exacerbated by a variety of factors. Some of these include dietary selections, lifestyle habits, and hormonal changes. So if you want more information on some of these influencing factors, please check out my lesson on that topic. What is the epidemiology of IBS? It is a worldwide phenomenon, and it is relatively common. It's estimated that 10 to 15% of the population of the Western world is affected with IBS, and it's likely that it is underreported or underdiagnosed. So a larger percentage of the population likely has IBS, and the onset of this condition usually occurs in young adulthood. Now let's talk about the signs and symptoms of IBS. One of the main symptoms of IBS is abdominal pain. This abdominal pain is associated with defecation and changes in bowel habits, and often this pain, this abdominal pain, is improved with defecation. So when someone uses the washroom, this pain often gets better, although this pain is often not completely resolved. It is described as a sharp or crampy pain, although individuals will often have a chronic dull pain. So they can have a chronic background of having a dull pain in their abdomen with certain episodes of sharp or crampy pain. This pain is variable in intensity, so certain episodes will have worse intensity of pain, and the pain can change locations, although it's more often described to be diffuse and more common to affect the left lower quadrant. So the left lower quadrant is this area here. So if we're looking straight at the patient, this is the patient's left side and this is their left lower quadrant. So in this area here is where the pain is most often to affect. Another important aspect of this pain is that there is no radiation of the pain. So it stays in the abdomen. It doesn't radiate to the back or radiate up to the chest or down the legs. This pain can be elicited and worsened by stress and dietary intake, which we mentioned in the last slide. So again, this abdominal pain is very important to note. It's one of the most common symptoms. It's associated with change in bowel habits, and it has variable intensity in location, and it's a lot of times patient-dependent as to the intensity and location. Oftentimes, it's diffuse, so it can be all throughout the entire abdomen, but also common to affect the left lower quadrant. Now, another very important symptom with IBS is bowel habit changes. So this is split up into two components. One is stool frequency. So either patients will have an increased or decreased frequency of bowel movements. So increased bowel movements per day or decreased bowel movements per day and or changes in stool consistency. So we use the Bristol stool chart to describe the changes in stool consistency. Type 4 is the normal consistency of stool, and type 1 to 3 is where we describe this as more constipated, and more particularly type 1 we're going to see with IBS, and there can be issues with diarrhea and IBS as well. These are described as type 5 to type 7, although we're going to see more of type 6 and 7. So with constipation, there's infrequent or decreased frequency of bowel movements. These bowel movements can often be described as painful, and again, we mentioned that they're oftentimes type 1 or pellet-shaped, and they're intractable to laxatives. So patients often try to use laxative medications to help, but they often don't help. And with regards to patients who have issues with diarrhea, this diarrhea most often occurs in the morning. So as soon as they wake up in the morning, they often have issues with diarrhea. 
and after eating. So these are the two more common times when diarrhea will occur in patients with IBS. A lot of times this diarrhea is often very small volumes of loose stool that occurs frequently. And oftentimes the patient feels a sense of urgency. They have to get to the bathroom very quickly and they have these small volumes of loose stool. Now, one of these can predominate. Patients can have more issues with constipation or more issues with diarrhea, but they can alternate. So individuals can have a very changing symptomatology with IBS. Sometimes they can have issues with constipation. Sometimes they can have issues with diarrhea or they can have predominantly one or the other. Patients with IBS can also have issues with mucus discharge. This is often a clear or white mucus, and it is non-inflammatory in nature. They can also have issues with something known as tenismus. Tenismus is a sensation of incomplete evacuation. We can see this with patients who have predominant diarrhea or predominant constipation, although constipation is more likely to have a sensation of tenismus or the sensation of incomplete evacuation. Some other relatively common signs and symptoms of IBS include distension and bloating. So it's been found that IBS patients have reduced or abnormal gastrointestinal motility and transit. This may contribute or may cause indigestion or malabsorption of certain nutrients of which will be eventually digested and metabolized by bacteria, which then produce gases. So this may be a cause of this increased sensation of distension and bloating, although some patients don't seem to have more gases than other patients in their gastrointestinal tract. They just feel more sensation of gas or they are not as tolerant to having gas within their gastrointestinal system. We can also see dyspepsia in IBS. Dyspepsia is indigestion and it's a sensation of pain or discomfort in the epigastric area. The epigastric area is this area in the center of the abdomen above the belly button or above the embolicus. This is described as a gnawing or burning sensation. Patients with IBS can also have heartburn. So IBS patients have been demonstrated to have a reduced resting contraction of the lower esophageal sphincter. So if we look in this image here, here is the stomach, and here is the esophagus, and here is the lower esophageal sphincter. This is normally closed when someone is not eating. So it prevents gastric contents, which are very acidic, from refluxing up into the esophagus. So this is supposed to be contracted and closed to prevent that. But with patients who have IBS, they may have issues with reduced rest and contraction of the lower esophageal sphincter. So this lower esophageal sphincter can open inappropriately, allowing gastric contents to reflux up into the esophagus. So again, this increases the likelihood of reflux of gastric acid into the esophagus, causing that sensation of heartburn. We can also see issues with nausea and vomiting, although this is a less common symptom, and it may be due to certain triggers, including food or stress. So patients who have IBS may be triggered by certain foods or certain psychological stressors that cause them to have symptoms, especially that abdominal pain and changes in bowel habits, but they can also have symptoms including nausea and vomiting that may occur as well. Now, some other relatively uncommon symptoms have been noted in epidemiological studies. So these are some other associated signs and symptoms of IBS. One of them is that patients with IBS are more likely to report issues with urinary frequency and urgency. So urinary frequency and urgency means that you feel like you need to urinate more often, which is that increased urinary frequency, and more quickly, which is that urinary urgency. So patients with IBS are more likely to report these symptoms. 
and they're also more likely to report having issues with sexual dysfunction. And these manifest as decreased libido and dyspareunia. So again, these are associated signs of symptoms that are not necessarily causally connected with the underlying pathogenesis of IBS, but they are reported in patients with IBS more often. So if you want to learn more about IBS, please check out my in-depth overview on IBS. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe for more lessons like this one. Thanks so much for watching and hope to see you next time.